Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And Isaac from Resolute Man, together pursuing the mission to impact 10 million families and their legacies for the kingdom of God. We've been married for 23 years and are seeing the fruit from raising our nine children biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children as too many from Christian families are walking away from their faith by the age 18. And it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. We're praising the Lord that the ministry continues to expand and impact more legacies. We couldn't do this without you, whether you pray for us, give us five-star reviews, or share on social. Or even if you purchase courses and merch or join the Be Courageous app community, enjoy the coffee or support financially. We're so thankful you are a big part of the 10 Million Legacies movement. If you want access to all the episodes, show notes, and other biblically-based resources, go to BeCourageousMinistry.org. Join us as we start another important conversation about effective parenting in the following world. Welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here. Today we're talking about protect your family culture. So important. You know, our top two ever podcast episodes are the first two, which are on this topic of family culture. So we thought we would dive into it because right now there's a need for people to understand that they have to proactively protect their family culture. Yeah. And those were more about how to establish and identify and create your culture. This one is about really how to protect it. And it's Mm -hmm. so important, more important than ever before. I don't think previous generations in modern times, at least, had to protect their culture at the lengths that mm-hmm. we believe parents need to do today. So, Or maybe they should have been. That could be partially why we're in the predicament we're in today, right? I know we were pretty odd, yes. you know, 20 years ago in making the decisions we were doing because yeah. it was kind of like the threats weren't as overt. They were there, but they weren't as seen. Yeah. That's for sure. Okay, guys. So thank you so much for joining us today. We just wanted to remind you of a couple things. One, we have something awesome going on in the app. I've been really enjoying the Fridays, which have been in the Courageous Mom group inside the Be Courageous app. I've been leading these heart of the home episodes or sessions, if you will. And the lives are about 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes, depending. (laughs) It's been a fun time because I do Q&A in there as well. So if you're interested in joining us, you can actually try out the app for free for a week and you can take advantage you could even listen to all five of the first five sessions if you want i mean that would be binging for sure but you're welcome to do that and we just want to make sure you know about that yeah absolutely and thanks for being part of the 10 million legacies movement all Mm -hmm. show notes resources and so forth for the podcast are courageousparenting.com and for the entire ministry at becourageousministry.org also the Resolute Man podcast is getting some steam. There's some really incredible yeah. interviews coming down the pike here. Shot one yesterday, one more Friday. I am so excited about it. So, gents, head over there, too. That's right. So, also, something that's coming up, be on the lookout. We've got homeschooling conference season coming up. Oh, that's and I'm true. super excited to be jumping on a plane and heading to Texas in April and in May. And so, you'll be, we'll be putting out more information when it gets closer. But I hope for those of you who are living in that area, you can, you can connect with me there. That'd be awesome. So good. Well, let's dive into protecting your family culture. Mm-hmm. This is so important. And, you know, we've often said things like, you know, you never want to, uh, you know, sacrifice your family for the sake of other relationships. But the Mm -hmm. goal is always to have good relationships. So how do we get both of those accomplished? And sometimes both can't be. And what has to give? 
Well, you're not going to sacrifice your family. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Isaac and I were just talking about this. This is the, as a concept of the cost of discipleship, right? And when you have your jurisdictions right, and you actually do believe the truth that there are seasons in your life, and understanding that there, when your children live with you in your home, ninety-five percent of the the time you're actually going to get with your child, you're going to get with them before they turn age eighteen. So if you're going to disciple them. You need to do it as much as possible when they're living with you. So that really is your discipleship era with your family, right? Right. And so there's a cost of other, you can't be best friends with a hundred people. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like there's a cost. You're, you maybe have a few close, confidant friends that can, you guys can really minister to one another, but truly it's, it's a season. It is a season. It's a season. So, so today we're talking about this awesome season of protecting your family culture while your kids are still living at home. Absolutely. So we have four tips for you on this. And the first one is to embrace your calling. And I think that everybody's like, yeah, of course, I'm, a, I'm, I'm working hard. You know, we're working hard over here. Yeah, I get it. But fully embrace your calling to protect your 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 children to protect your legacy to protect the culture of your home mm-hmm. and here's a scripture for you in Deuteronomy 6 uh, it says that you may fear the Lord your God you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments with which I sorry which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long and then it goes on to say you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart mm-hmm. you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and then it says in nine, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know, we've shared this scripture a few times before. You know this scripture probably. It really is a mandate to do what we're talking about here. It, yeah, it is. I mean, we've used this scripture in context of a lot of things because it's really, there's a lot there. But but doesn't it just leave you first and foremost, foundationally going, God has called me because I believe in the Lord, because I'm saved. I want my kids to know the Lord. And, and you think of verses like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? Like what is the foundation of your family culture built on? And if it's built on the cornerstone of Christ, mm. if it's built on the, the chief cornerstone, <laughs> then there's going to be a focus on the word, on mm-hmm. the Lord's commandments, right? Yeah. And it's going to be something you're going to passionately want your children and your children's children to know and understand. So when we understand that this is, something that God has called us to when he chose us to be parents, he called us to rise up and go, okay, I'm in charge of the discipleship of these little people. Like I get it. I understand the responsibility Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to shy away from that. Yeah. But sometimes it can be hard in the midst of living in a fallen world to, when you have this desire to have this strong biblically based family culture, right? Where when someone offends another person, they forgive each other and they Mm -hmm. are reconciled. When um, there's this pursuit of living a a holy life, this pursuit of holiness or the pursuit of living righteously, right? Like there's a pursuit there and it's something that you you want to live because you want to be more like Christ, Mm -hmm. right? To be a light to the world and to glorify him. You want all these things, but in the midst of living in a fallen world, you get tugged, you get tempted, Mm -hmm. your kids get tugged and tempted, and it can be hard for parents to stand firm, right? Sometimes there's this feeling of, you may not feel this, I don't know, but it might be happening where there's a little bit of Mm wishy-washiness, where you, you stand for some principle 
But then because it's extended family or something like that, or, or, pressure. A, or there's pressure on you and <laughs> yeah. there's situations, you lax on that principle. Uh, maybe you've even communicated this principle to your children and then you're over there and you're relaxed about it. And I just want to encourage you to be courageous because it takes courage to equip confident Christian kids for a future world that's different that they're mm-hmm. going to be launching into. It takes doing the right things, the hard things now, and that is embracing your calling. Part of your calling is that protector, mm-hmm. is that you know making sure that you're not wishy-washy, making sure that you have sound biblical principles that you're parenting your children on, you're making decisions based on, you get in marriage alignment, and you execute those, and you don't get wishy-washy because there's pressure on you. Yeah, it's protecting family culture is a big thing. And if you're not consistent, you can confuse your kids, especially if you haven't shared the why. So I think that a huge part of like any anything that you would necessarily have as family rules or family expectations or even, um, you know, things you don't do. I want to think about things you don't do that maybe are protective of the family culture or protective of your children physically, right? Mm -hmm. Or protective of your children spiritually. Um, You may have certain... um, Things that are like, we don't do this in our family, right? And the truth is, is if you don't explain it and communicate clearly to your kids, especially once they start getting to be big kids and, and tweens and teens, right? Yeah. They need to know the why. Otherwise, if you don't teach them the why behind it, you're likely to get asked over and over and over again which would be potentially disrespectful also. So that would need to be a conversation with your kids. But if you are also showing them respect and teaching them the biblical why behind why you have such a strong conviction on, I don't know, what's something we have a conviction on? Oh, no sleepovers, right? Mm -hmm. Like for for kids that are under adult age and like we don't don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's just one of those things where it's always been a thing and it's not something that our kids ask us about because we stood firm in it, but we also taught them all the reasons why we choose that so that they could logically think about it and go, oh yeah, that makes sense. And so it, I just want to encourage you guys that whatever the things are that you do do or don't do, there's going to be a tug and there's going to be parental peer pressure, peer pressure from your kids' friends to them to maybe participate in things that they know, you know what? We just don't do that. And one of you in the marriage relationship might start getting a little relaxed on something once you feel that pressure and you start might rethinking it. Mm -hmm. And then the question is, do you go back to the Bible to discover if that's a conviction you should hold on? And the Bible doesn't speak to every specific thing, but it does speak to godliness, Mm -hmm. right? And as we're reading and we're speaking and and we're saturating our minds with godliness, is that what we need to renew our mind to stay the course. And I think sometimes because we're not in our Bibles, we mm-hmm. start to veer a little bit and get a little wishy-washy. You know, in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And what's good, acceptable, and perfect is going to be unpopular in this world. Yeah, that's true. And I I love that it also says that you may be able to discern because that's part of a parent's 
um, role in embracing yeah. this calling to protect the family culture. I mean, ultimately, we, you know, in the other podcast episodes where we talk about family culture, that is more about establishing family culture and it being mm-hmm. established on the rock and what does that look like and and how you as an individual need to understand that it's important that you are going to God and you are seeking his face and asking for him to reveal what his will is for you and your family. And while every family may have a slight different little wordage of mission or vision or different seasons in life. The role of the parents is to be going to God as their head and understanding that he has called us to rise up and take responsibility, to really step into that responsibility unapologetically, actually. And it's interesting because we're in a day and age where even state to state, we see parental rights being abused um, by the government. Right. Or by the medical profession, which is government, you know, all fingered through there. And so I I bring this up because there is a need for us as parents and for you as parents to be encouraged in the word to understand. No, no, don't listen to the lies of uh, the the government or that the doctor might be saying Mm -hmm. to you. You have the right to actually say, nope, we're not going to vaccinate our child or nope. We're not going to put the teenager with acne and cramps on birth control. You can say no. Hey, to I, those I, I look at all this stuff as a spiritual battle, right? Yeah. The enemy's trying to infiltrate the family, destroy the family. That's how the world can be changed. Mm-hmm. And the global reset, which I believe is orchestrated by evil, and all of these things really come down to all these small things to erode away, erode away parental authority, erode away confidence in mm-hmm. God, erode away and, and capture and ensnare mm-hmm. the next generation into sin and mm-hmm. all of these things. And, I, you know, are you going to go to battle? Are you going to wield your sword? Or are you the kind of soldier uh, that, you know, wakes up and thinks mm-hmm. they're going to battle every day and leaves their sword in the cupboard back in the closet? Yeah. You know, or mm-hmm. do you actually, are you actually battling because you're mm-hmm. actually using your weapon, mm-hmm. which is, the word of God, which is mm-hmm. prayer, which is worshiping our Lord and drawing close mm-hmm. to him so we can hear from him. These are our tools that we mm-hmm. have to stand up and to not go wayward on even the smallest things mm-hmm. so that we can protect and preserve and then equip our children. And they look at us as the most important teachers in their lives because we've not allowed wayward philosophies to entice them. Mm-hmm. So they develop itching ears to glean wisdom from wrong thinking. Yeah, I mean, we, this even just reminds me of the podcast episode that we did on do not allow other people to confuse your children with wayward philosophies, which is a biblical concept. You can look that yeah. up in the New Testament as well. But, you know, the last scripture that we want to share with you for this specific point, which is point one, embrace your calling, is actually in Genesis 18, verse 19. Um, before I read that verse, I want to remind you, this is the chapter where the Lord comes to Abraham and he's telling him while he and Sarah in their old age, he tells him, I'm going to return in about a year's time and Sarah will have a son. And she overhears. And so she laughs and, and there's a whole thing <laughs> that happens here. And then you get to verse 19 and it says, for I have chosen him. So this is God. Okay, talking about Abraham, for I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has promised him. And then just continues on the very next verse. He already goes into 
Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave. So we know where the next part of the story goes. And this is such an encouraging verse because though he's speaking specifically about the father of the holy nation, right? Mm -hmm. Abraham. Um, And what a responsibility. Can you imagine if you think parenting one, two, five, eight kids is a big responsibility. Think of how Abraham felt knowing that he was going to be the father of nations, believing God's promise. That's huge. But here he is. God brings it down to the nitty gritty where the legacy begins. And this is what is so powerful in my mind is that he goes that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Mm. That's where it begins. That's where the legacy of faith begins is with Isaac and then his grandkids. And that is you guys. Like that is the foundation. Like we as parents need to understand that if we have children, they are a gift from God. We know that from Psalm 127. Behold, children are a reward. Mm -hmm. The fruit of the womb, a reward. This is a gift from God. When we've been given a gift from God, We're to steward that gift well. We're to raise it, step into our calling, be responsible. And he tells Abraham and gives us an example here as what is the most important. You're going to, yeah, command your children and your household after you to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. That's huge. That's family culture. That's what are you doing is family culture when no one's looking living in righteousness. It's all the things that other people don't see the waywardness of the heart. Like, is there righteousness? Yeah. That's huge. And then justice is the actions and the doing that affect other people. And then he goes into Sodom and Gomorrah, which we know the story. We know what God does, his his story. And there's an element there of wanting to preserve this seed and knowing that there's a neighboring town that is corrupt and defiled. And like, so as parents, like that goes into our next point, which is influences, like protecting your family culture from influences. So we'll talk about that in just a moment, but I want to just take a moment and talk about the parenting mentor program. You know how cool it would be if Angie could sit down with the moms out there uh, for coffee and just, you know, answer any questions and then give like the exact, like, here's, I thought all about this and here's exactly what to do and how to think about it in the scriptures in this season of parenting and that season of parenting regarding getting to their hearts, regarding obedience, regarding discipleship, regarding the courage that's needed to equip your kids today and, and the theology of parenting and so forth, all of these things. Imagine if you could do that and if you both had the time to actually sit together for coffee with both of us and you, and you bought yeah and, and with both yeah. of us and let's say you bought us coffee so it cost you like seven bucks but you did that every day for 45 days wouldn't wow. that be cool that'd be fun we can't do that and you probably don't have the time to drive to a coffee shop every single day and do that either mm-hmm. so we did something better where we created the parenting mentor program and the reason mm-hmm. is is because there's a lack of titus two mentors in society today that are mm-hmm. willing to invest in other people mm-hmm. and are even qualified. They might have the age, but a lot of people just aren't qualified because they don't have the fruit in their lives that you would want to emulate in your children, your marriage and so forth. And so we really, we experienced that. And I believe it's gotten even worse. We hear it's gotten even worse. And so, but Mm -hmm. we need those things. And the most important areas that we need mentoring are marriage, parenting, and 
home things. And so it's so important that mm-hmm. we get that. So that's why was, we put yeah. together, that's why we put this parenting yeah. mentor program together because it's recorded sessions in a curriculum that builds to really get a foundation that's incredible and biblically based so you know how to navigate parenting in these times from a biblical mm-hmm. perspective while also getting the lives and being able to get your questions answered in mm-hmm. the community and so forth. And so that's why we put this together. It's a mix of both, but we can all be in our own homes, mm-hmm. do it in our own timing because it is self-paced mm-hmm. and have that freedom. And it costs a little less than $7 a day for 45 mm-hmm. days. And you have it forever. Yeah, that's amazing. So we've really enjoyed being able to do this for the last five years. Can you believe it? Yeah. Five years. We've had thousands of parents go through. We love hearing the testimonies and different things, but we wanted to invite you to find out more about it by going to CourageousParenting.com. There's a video there you can watch and a whole bunch of information. So All right, back let's into dive in. So obviously, you know, influences are probably one of the biggest I don't know if you would call it a threat Mm. to family culture, but let me just start off with listing the four that we kind of brainstormed, right? So Mm -hmm. here's the biggest one, (laughs) society. (laughs) Society and its culture and its tolerance of sin and its overt indoctrination of the next generation of sin and persuasion of trying things and well how do you know you're not this way unless you've tried it there's just so much Mm. um persuasive manipulation and and i think of influences right because obviously like the school system if there's teachers that are teaching this or coaches that are are teaching this stuff that is an influence on the children of the next generation, right? And then those children are growing up in the same generation your mm-hmm. children are growing up, and then eventually they're going to be potential coworkers, peers, what have you. And they're, I mean, that's peer influences, which would be another one that we talked mm-hmm. about. Um, what are some other obvious ones? There's media, obviously. Mm-hmm. Media is a big deal. Kids are getting phones and access to media at a younger age than ever before. Four. And it's not just social media, although that is a really big impact on kids and influencing them, but also there's the cartoons and all the hidden messages in yeah. these movies. And even and- even the things you take your children to that are have the Christian title in them, mm-hmm. you just need to be as intentional and diligent as anywhere else, actually. Right. Like you can't trust. I'm just going to say something really bold here. And some of you, I get that you probably love your homeschool co-op, but- I mean, I've been a part of homeschool co-ops that I've loved, but let me just tell you this. Just because something says homeschool on it or just because something says Christian on it does not mean that the kids that are in there are living righteously and you can just put your stamp, stamp of approval on it and endorse it and say, hey, be best friends with these kids. Hey, listen to whatever the teacher's telling you. No. I have been homeschooling for 20 years, you guys, and I see an even bigger movement now towards charter schools, hybrid schools, um, delegation of of different aspects of schooling. And I love it. I love that there is opportunities for kids to be able to connect with other Mm -hmm. kids and learn things that maybe they wouldn't otherwise learn. That aspect of it can be good. But as a parent, if you are going to be embracing your biblical calling to be the protector of the gatekeeper of your home of ideas because ideas influence the family culture, then you need to be crazy involved and know what your kids are learning and know your kids' friends and know your kids' friends' parents. And if you can't do that, then maybe you shouldn't have them in that co-op. 
I'm just going to say that because there are things like if your kids are living a secretive life where they're not fully themselves with their friends or they're not the same way with their friends that they are with you, there's a big problem. And this is something that I see a lot. Oh, yeah. In fact, we've had conversations with our teenagers and about this and they're like, oh, yeah, most kids are like they talk differently even when their parents aren't around. And then we just flat out ask them. Remember I asked all the kids, I was like, you, do you guys talk different than you talk when you're around us? And they're like, no, you guys know how we talk. And, and they were, we were all like laughing about it. But then they were giving examples. And I was shocked. Like literally even the vocabulary is different with some of these kids. And their parents have no clue because their kid is living a secretive life. And a lot of it is largely on their phone. Mm-hmm. And the parents have no idea what is going on. And sin is taking root. And it's going to affect their character and who they are as a person. And I, it, it infests a family culture. It's so dangerous. Yeah. And remember, if, if your older children are getting infected like this by the world and you don't mm-hmm. know it, that is going to lead the younger children in the wrong direction. So you yeah. really have to work hardest, actually, with your oldest. Whoever your oldest two yeah. are, you need to work the hardest with them. Um work hard with all the kids, but in terms of helping them understand their influence, helping them understand their leadership, helping them have a vision for their relationships with their younger siblings and how important that is, making sure they're not too part of too many things that are age segregated so they become mm-hmm. people that only want to spend time with their own age. Influences, perhaps the most important influences are your oldest children Mm -hmm. actually because they are paving a way and those younger children look up to them so much Mm -hmm. talk about powerful peer influences if you think peer influences are powerful out there a big sibling that they love big sibling peer influence is the massive influence right and so you have to make sure you're getting that right and if they are doing something that is influencing your family culture wrong you need to be on it you need to be handling it. You need to be long conversations, going to scripture, praying together. And it's not just giving, it's it's not just being tough with them. That's not what we're saying. Mm -mm. We're saying, how can you you get to their hearts and have those deep heart conversations, Mm -hmm. get the go heart deep download from being on our email list. It's crucial. Plus you want to be on our email list anyways, in case we get canceled on big tech, then we can still communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. Right. So make sure you do that at becourageousministry.org. It's super easy or links in our social. Mm -hmm. So the next verse we want to share with you guys is actually in regards to these influences. When I share this verse with you, it's in first Timothy six verse three through five. It says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, So anybody who's teaching a different doctrine, anyone who doesn't agree with the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. Nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for a whole list of things. You ready? For controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved in truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. And it just continues on. You guys, listen, this is the deal. If anyone teaches a different doctrine, and it it can be like, look at all the fruit that comes from teaching a different doctrine. This is all bad fruit. 
This is not stuff we want in our family culture, right? Dissension, division, slander, evil suspicions, quarrels. Nobody here would be raising their hand saying, oh, I want that part of my family (laughs) culture. Mm -hmm. No, rather, we need to be protectors, making sure that the influences are actually in agreement with the things like teaching the same doctrine, Hmm. teaching doctrines of sound wisdom from God's word that are about godliness and righteousness. There is something so special when your kids find a believer who is actually a true believer in Christ, and they can have those deep biblical conversations where they can nudge each other to be better. Like, like, being, hey, hey, good job. You you just shot a, a, a three-pointer and you've never made that before. Like yeah. that's encouraging versus what's going on and being competitive in a negative kind of way and making fun of somebody. Like there's a biblical way where it says build one another up. It doesn't ever say point out each other's faults and make fun of each other. No, 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 no. Scripture doesn't say that. It says to stir up good works in one another, build one another up just as you are doing. Like to have friends where you know that when when your one of your kids is struggling with something or maybe they're down or they're sad or or something's going on, they have friends that get it, have experienced that and can give them Bible verses and text messages to encourage them. Like that's the kind of friendships and peer influences that we should be praying for, first of all. Secondly, helping our kids to cultivate. And what's one way you can help your kids cultivate friendships that are going to be solid like that? Hey, be open to practicing hospitality as often as possible. Be the place that your kids feel comfortable inviting their friends to come and hang out. And and that way, it's also helpful for you to help your like younger kids. If they start doing that, you can start teaching them how to discern, is this a friend I want to have as a close friend or maybe not right now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so there's so many aspects to this. Also, I don't want to neglect this, but family and friends, like your family and friends, are they people who teach sound biblical doctrine founded on the Lord Jesus Christ. If they don't, then you need to be discerning and careful about how puffed up you put that person as an influential person in your kid's life. And as your children get older, they're going to have times where they're not with you and they're out with people. They're at friend's house, these kinds of Mm -hmm. things. You want to have the kind of conversations and relationship with them where they share with you the good and the not so good and Mm -hmm. where they have a discerning as discernment about them of discerning what's good and not so good and playing those out and talking about situational, you know, how could you do it better next time? What could you say next time? Mm-hmm. How could you behave next time? These kinds of conversations only happen if you're getting real intel, if you're having real deep communication and conversations with the mm-hmm. children. So, you know, we also want to share this next verse with you guys. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Um, and this is this is a hard verse for some people, but I, I think that we would be not fully doing this mm-hmm. topic justice biblically if we did not bring this verse to light. I think a lot of Christians are unaware that God's word even talks about this. So Isaac, go ahead and share it. All right. You ready? Here we go. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or as an idolater, reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler, not even eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? That's a question. It, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? So, yeah. God judges those outside, purge mm-hmm. the evil person from among you. So, this is talking about believers who are mm-hmm. behaving in really ungodly ways. Mm-hmm. We're not to 
spend time with them because they're claiming Christ and doing these things deliberately. There's yeah. a big difference of sin and then deliberate sin mm-hmm. of consistently doing these things. And so the reason is it's kind of like a wolf in sheep's clothing in terms of influence. Mm-hmm. Your children can be very confused by that because they're mm-hmm. claiming Christ. It's actually the most confusing, I would say. The most dangerous would be someone who claims to be a Christian but is living in ungodliness and sin and choosing to remain in it and not trying to grow and not trying to change, right? And so I think that there's um, a distinction to be made when someone has like the heart of repentance and they're confessing sin and they're moving towards godliness. That's very different. Um, But the point here is that as parents, (laughs) we have to, again, go back to number one, embrace our calling and understand that this is something that we have to be aware of. We cannot just drop our kids off at youth group or Sunday school and and have our kids fellowshipping and be learning from someone if that's someone who's teaching that class or even a worship leader. Like, I don't know how many, like, I just, it makes me sick to my stomach to think that there could be people that are on stage leading worship or in Sunday school classrooms teaching little children and discipling them, quote unquote, but five days out of the week, they're living in deliberate sin that they know God's word says not to do, right? Right. And so that's where we as parents, this is why it's important that we have to take responsibility and get to know the people that are potentially influencing our kids. Yeah, It's a big deal. So let's talk about correcting sin Mm -hmm. within family. Matthew 18, 15 through 17, you might want to mark this down, a very helpful Mm -hmm. scripture. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So the point is, there is a process for reconciliation. There's Mm -hmm. a process for correcting Mm -hmm. and correction happening. And so the first step and we teach our children this, mm-hmm. unless it's something egregious that we need to know about, if it's just the normal didn't share, things like that, they're they're instructed to talk to their brother first, talk mm-hmm. to their sister first, mm-hmm. and try and fix that before just immediately yelling, mommy, mommy. Right, right, right. I think that this is an important thing that kids need to learn because obviously this scripture is even talking about brothers and sisters in Christ and like the functioning of the family yes. of God and the body of Christ, right? And so, but where do people adults who, you know, and even teens and and children, how do people figure out how to operate within the body of Christ when there's conflict if they didn't learn it first in their family? You see, the family is really God's way of preparing and equipping children who are going to grow up and be brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord willing, right? And so this this ministry of reconciliation, which in another part of um, Corinthians, it talks about how God has given each of us the ministry of reconciliation. If we are saved in Jesus Christ, that is part of our ministry, Mm -hmm. just like the Great Commission is the ministry. In fact, those two go hand in hand because it's really talking about reconciliation with God, which is coming to salvation, right? Yeah. And so there's this, this, this is a huge part of family culture is this concept of correcting sin within family and in family relationships, but also discerning sin outside, teaching your children how to discern, um, 
what is going on and if something is a healthy person, a healthy friend to be hanging out with or if someone's going to be leading them astray. Um, there's this need for us to even give our kids a bigger vision and go, hey, we got to get it right first here in our family mm-hmm. before we're able to do it well with other people. And and this is God's design. Like this is the image bearing of the family to the family of God, right? And so this can really be an equipping time. Yeah. And we're going to share another verse with you in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Um, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Yeah. So obviously, like if you guys are in this place where you're thinking, man, it's just so hard. Like, how do I confront the sister in Christ whose kid is struggling? Like, I really like this family, but that child is really hard for my kids to play with or they're a bad example or they're a bad influence. How many of you guys felt that? Like God's word gives you all the wisdom that you need. And James, it says to seek God and search for all wisdom and he will give it without a reproof, right? But we have to ask God without doubting and ask him to give us wisdom as we're navigating relationships. But relationships really are the foundational, like if I was to think of like, what is the biggest thing that can affect family culture? It's relationships. Yeah. Within the family, within sibling relationships, within the marriage, obviously that our relationship makes a huge impact on family culture. But then relationships with other people, right? Extended family, so this church, is this is where neighbors. you have to be courageous because you might have to correct something with an extended family member. You have to talk about something that's happening mm-hmm. at their house that isn't appropriate, like the TV always being on or whatever it is, uh, Mm -hmm. because you don't want your children to see the commercials in these times. If you do it in a loving way, a lot of times Mm -hmm. that's going to go really well. You'd be surprised how well it goes, actually, if you are coming across in a loving but truthful Mm -hmm. way. I think that's really important. I have to share this verse in Jude. I'm the one adding an extra verse this time. Look at you. Look at that. Okay. (laughs) I I just found it so so important. It's the book right before Revelation, if uh, you weren't sure. And it says, Right here, it says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Here's the warning. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, it's giving a big warning that mm-hmm. within the body of Christ, people have snuck in, they're snuck in mm-hmm. that are wayward, that are literally calling themselves believers mm-hmm. and deliberately sinning in all kinds of ways. I would say and this is the progressive church. This is the progressive the, church, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are many, but I see that within, the, it seeps in, those ideologies, those teachings slowly attack many churches of all different denominations. And this was happening back then. Mm-hmm. It's happening now. Mm-hmm. It's it's a problem that's always going to happen until yeah. Jesus returns. But we have a responsibility. But, you know, just think of instead of the church for a second, think of your home. Mm-hmm. Is, is there anything being crept mm-hmm. into your home? Mm-hmm. whether physically in your home or mm-hmm. through your home, through influences through mm-hmm. to your children that then come into your home. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to think about that. You know, it's interesting in Jude later on, it, it says, but have mercy with those who doubt. And it continues on about like saving the one. And yeah. yeah. And I, I just want to bring that up because, you know, in the midst of this hard conversation that we've been having, um, 
a lot of parents might be thinking, well, what about the kid who's doubting that this potentially going to, is that infectious and going to make my other kids doubt? Let me just say something. So doubting, not all kids have to experience that, first of all. Um, But I think wrestling with your faith to make it your own, like that is something that most people experience when they're in the process of trying to truly understand truth and the gospel and the Lord. And so here's the thing. You cannot sweep it underneath the covers. You have to dig in with that kid more than anything and have mercy with them, which is what God's word is actually telling us in Jude. And in the process, be praying with the other kids for that kid, because I'm sure that they likely hear the conversation. I just remember having one car ride many years ago where one of the kids out of nowhere after a church service, what he we said, how was church today? And then that kid got brave enough to in front of all the siblings. I think we had seven at the time. He started crying and he just said, I'm really struggling with doubting some things. And he was honest. And we as a family fully prayed for him. And now I look at where that kid is now. So strong. You know, I'm, I was very th- strong. I was very thankful faith. for that moment yes. because he was actually leading something really good, which is vulnerability, mm-hmm. which is openness, which is feeling comfortable in our family mm-hmm. culture to be honest and yeah. share and to know that we're going to love him no matter what. Mm-hmm. And and walk with him and through it. And the only it. way yeah. a kid would share that is if he felt those things. Mm-hmm. And you have to be proactive to make sure your children feel those things. I was not concerned that that would be a mm-hmm. negative thing on the rest of the children because um, this is a normal thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a normal thing to wrestle with these things. And it was sincere. It wasn't uh, the kind of thing where he was trying to do mm-hmm. anything. It was just yeah. sincere. No, I love that you said that. I think that, you know... The fourth tip that we had for you guys um, as far as protecting your family is to disciple your children, obviously, and walking them through those conversations is part of the discipleship process, right? Like, um, and praying for them, teaching them how to pray, reading, letting the word be the light to your path as a family, being the foundation, reading the Bible with your kids on a regular basis. Um, Because when your kids love Jesus, they'll also want to live in a way that shows their love for Jesus. And they'll understand how important it is that they're they are aware that there are lost people who don't have the Lord. And that'll be like something that really grips them where they want more people to know the Lord because they love him and they lo- they want to see them in e- have eternal life, right? I think a and, big part of discipleship too as they get older is hot button issues. What does the Bible say uh, regarding the abortion mm-hmm. issue? What does the Bible say regarding gender? What does the Bible say regarding marriage? What does the Bible say regarding... Creation, uh, AI. Nation. Yeah. You know, all of yeah, these the borders of, of nations. You know, what are what is all of these things? And it's so important. And I think as we disciple, one of the, I think, ways that the enemy ensnares children is is the children who are raised in really religious homes where there's a feeling of there's us versus them. them. Yes. And 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 what I an elitism. But I think what's true is all people are God. Mm -hmm. You know, God created all people. God's people. They're God's people. But God's God's chosen people. Right. If you use those words. Uh, which are in the Bible, uh, are the believers, right? And so, but does that mean a non-believer can't become a believer? Yeah, they become a believer. And I believe then they were the chosen, right? Mm-hmm. So it's... it's God's the one who foreknows. God, mm-hmm. God, the one, he has this foreknowledge, right? So of who's going to choose him. Mm-hmm. So it's really amazing to think that, wow, all these other people could come to know the Lord. So having a heart for the lost, 
while protecting your children at the same time is important versus building a us versus mm-hmm. them uh, theology, which shouldn't mm-hmm. be the case. It's mm-hmm. not true. And having a love for people and, mm-hmm. and sharing the gospel and evangelism mm-hmm. is crucial because if that's not there, then it's very easy for the enemy to use somebody mm-hmm. to ensnare them. Well, that's really unloving to this group of people mm-hmm. to believe that. Well, no, I can believe in God's truth and still love other people well mm-hmm. while not moving in my belief. Mm-hmm. And encouraging them to walk in truth, right? Yeah. And to acknowledge sin and to repent. I mean, that's a good, humble thing to do. But the reality is there's so much pride in today's world that people have a hard time with that. I think, too, you know, today we talked about the importance of um, with the oldest kid helping to set the culture, right? And like really digging in with them and things Mm -hmm. like that. I do want to warn parents, though, that sometimes when you're doing that, there can be too much pressure and expectations that parents put on the oldest. And what I mean by that is sometimes when you are always saying that, well, you're the oldest or you're the oldest. Be careful not to say that too much. Um, I think that there is a a truth that kids need to hear, a realization that God chose them for the birth order that they're in. And you can unapologetically teach your kids, God chose you to be the firstborn or God chose you to be the firstborn son or God chose you to be the, like those are good. That's part of who they are actually, Mm -hmm. just like being a Christian is part of who they are. Being a daughter or a son is part of who they are. And and I, I think that it's good for people to own where God has positioned them, understanding that it also comes with responsibility, just like God chose you to be a parent, and that comes with responsibility. And it can be a very good thing for them because it can help prepare them and equip them for the role that they're going to have later in life. And so it is a good thing, but you can't just say, well, you're the oldest, so... And leave it at that. It's kind of like saying, do as I say. Why? Because I said so. You need to give them the why over and over again so that like they they understand the why behind it and they're actually led to have a strong identity in who they are in Christ. Um, but also at the same time, make sure that you offer your oldest the opportunity to express their doubts and their challenges. Because if you do give them that like standard of, hey, you're a really good influence on your older, on your younger siblings, and I just really want to thank you for that, they also need to hear you say, but you know what? You can always share with me if you're struggling with anything or if you have any doubts. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to feel like you have to have it all together all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that there's something that could be so powerful. I know as a firstborn, I could have benefited from that, right? Um, and I'm sure that our firstborn probably could have benefited from me saying that more often. Mm-hmm. But I was really focused on like parenting many, many kids. And and so that just as an older mom, that's just a good reminder to you to take those times to also like go, hey, you're human. I get you're human. Like share with me. I want to help you. Um, and yeah. Hey, it's so good. This episode probably stirred up some emotion. Probably mm. there might be an area you're like, we really need to be more courageous in this relationship and how we talk about things. And mm-hmm. it, it's going to bring up a marriage conversation that probably needs to happen. And I would just, I would just encourage you to pray first. Mm-hmm. Just pray about it, and God will give you wisdom. We're here to stir up, and hopefully the Spirit uses this to stir mm-hmm. up whatever needs to be stirred up in you, and and then mm-hmm. you and your wife or husband get to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of it, because you have a unique family. Mm-hmm. God made you the parents and your children who mm-hmm. they are, and put you all together. 
and it's God's design and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to encourage you. You do have to be courageous, but you're not alone. You have an all-powerful God right there to help you. Thanks for joining us. That's right. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening and being a part of the 10 Million Legacies movement. Go to BeCourageousMinistry.org for more biblically-based resources, ways to switch where you spend your money that support the mission, and information about the incredible Be Courageous app community for believers. Also, we wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, we release a video session with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. This is an incredible self-paced program. We cover everything from tending to their hearts, handling obedience to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's a supportive community. You'll have access to our private group in the Be Courageous app, live webcasts, and direct access to us. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentor program, secure your spot now at BeCourageousMinistry.org. That's BeCourageousMinistry.org.